Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Happy Monday, this post-Christmas Monday, the 26th of December. Uh, we took a little hiatus, if you didn't notice. Um, some of you might have noticed. Some of you didn't. I don't really care. Um, if you don't know, the post office sucks at fucking Christmas time. And I was working 12 <laughs> hours a day for I don't know how many fucking days in a row. And I love y'all, but I just couldn't fucking pull it together. Well, so during our hiatus, um, we did receive a couple of more spam emails, <laughs> but we also received an email from ASEAN. Tom Cruise, and I don't know if that's male or female, because I'm not sure what the AZN means. Maybe Arizona Tom Cruise? I don't fucking know. Anyway, they basically called us retarded because Keanu Reeves is Asian. Like an, an eighth Asian or something like that. I No, I don't think the math works on an eighth, but either way, let's call it an eighth. All right. He's a fucking Twinkie if he is Asian. And he's not Japanese, which is why we were talking about him being in 47 Ronin. Twinkie is actually a term that's used most often about a certain type of a... I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know why it's used. Um, yeah, I, I understand. but I'd never heard it in the Asian context that you responded with in that instance. Well, I was watching some fucking stupid show about a Korean grocer. And one of the other Koreans in the show they referred to as a Twinkie. What was the name of that show? Jeannie told me about that show. What, what was it called? Hands Grocery? I don't know. Some shit on Netflix. Okay. Carry on. My good name. Horrible. Horrible fucking show that I watched almost all of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Brian did last oh, week. Oh, no. It's, my... it's Kim's Grocery. Which makes sense. Kim Lee... Yeah. It's like win for Vietnamese, right? So we did respond, or I did, I should say. I probably should have had Darren respond, but I told this person that they were full of shit. And they responded that they were from Laos because I didn't know, or that I didn't know enough about Asian culture, and I didn't even know where that country was. Which I won't go into specifics, but one of my family members uh, is half Laotian. So. Well, I know where fucking Laos is, by the way. So fuck you. The place might we might be called Short Bus Debate Club. And I'm gonna I'm gonna flex on you a little bit. They're not Hmong, all right. I I understand that a vast majority of the Laotian population is Hmong, but uh, well, the Hmong also live in Vietnam. They're all over the place, yeah. dude. Yeah, I know. But like, there's a really big Hmong, Hmong population in Laos specifically. Or if you're a white guy, you can call them Hmongs. But Brian and I, in spite of our uh, North uh, Western yeah. European yeah. heritages um, are not white. No, Darren has said many times I'm black Irish. Um, so this episode, I know we kind of fucked around for three and a half minutes there, but um, this week, really, we're going to be talking about weapons of destruction. And on Friday, we're going to talk about mass destruction 
Wednesday, we're going to do movies where mass destruction is involved. Today, we're going to talk about weapons of insignificant destruction. And the reason that I wanted to talk about that is because the United States and really the world is kind of confused as to what a weapon of mass destruction is. Um, Homeland Security defines it as any nuclear, radiological, biological, chemical weapon that is designed or created to harm large groups of people, but they don't say what large groups are. The FBI defines weapons of mass destruction as anything that would be like an incendiary device or explosive device or any biological weapon. So they don't, they're not real specific. And they generally say that it's terrorist related. Who, 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 who the FBI. Mean? The FBI. So, so the FBI, by their own definition, would have called the firebombing in J Japan and Germany. That would have been considered a weapon. Of you mass. mean Dresden and everything that happened in uh, to where we, I mean, like the, all the firebombing <laughs> occurred in Japan before the fucking bombs were dropped. So their back was broken. I mean, their entire, like uh, a lot of their civilian population had been incinerated at that point in time. I would assume so. But here's the reason that I mentioned those two definitions is because I think that they pretend to be confused and have a lot of different definitions so that if the United States has something, they can't be held accountable it's, it's, it's under their definition. One of those intentional ambiguities. Yeah. And the reason that I say that is because the UN defines a weapon of mass destruction, and this has been since 1977. Atomic explosive weapons, radioactive material weapons, lethal chemical and biological weapons, and any weapon developed in the future which might have characteristics comparable and destructive effect to those of the atomic bomb or other weapons mentioned above. And then they go on further to say, produce in a single moment an enormous destructive effect capable to kill millions of civilians, jeopardize the natural environment, and fundamentally alter the lives of future generations through their catastrophic effects, cause death or serious injury of people through toxic or poisonous chemicals, disseminate disease-causing organisms or toxins to harm or kill humans, animals, or plants, or deliver nuclear explosive devices, chemical biological or toxin agents to use them for hostile purposes in an armed conflict. So the UN says it's to harm millions of people. Homeland Security says a large group of people. And here's my thing. So, and I'm not like everybody else. One person dies, I'm probably okay with it. Um... But like in the 70s when the FBI was developing the behavioral sciences unit to track serial killers, uh -huh. everybody was freaking out about the co-ed killer in California and the Green River killer in Utah and all of these killers. And none of them went over 20. Um, finally... 
the Atlanta child killer ended up going over 30, 29, maybe something like that. And people were fucking up in arms about all of them. And they were freaked out. They were freaked out about Ted Bundy. They're freaked out about all of these serial killers. And those guys barely hit double digits. So what is a large number, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And, and don't anybody be stupid and try to say that he's saying that that what happened with those people is, is minimal. I mean, we're, 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 we're comparing acts of individuals to acts of war. And, and we're trying to do it by understanding uh, how uh, mechanisms of war are essentially being identified or being defined. Not not individual goofballs who, of course, by anybody who has a rational mentality, would love to see them drawn and quartered, you know, and eliminated for the horrible things that they did for people. But uh, no, and I I wasn't saying what they did was right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. All I'm saying. We're not trying to minimize anything. But I'm We're just trying, trying to figure war. out numbers. Yeah, number, yeah. What does it look like if you're talking about what does a lot mean? What is because we're not necessarily talking about war because like i said the fbi generally their definition has to do with terrorism okay so terrorism and war generally speaking domestic terrorism yeah i guess we could say that i mean timothy mcveigh yeah because that was a fucking but that was 200 and what right 200 people so was that a large number was that a weapon of mass destruction I would say yes, because it fucking took down an entire building. <laughs> so by, by that same token, but then by that same token, both of those planes were weapons of mass destruction. Absolutely. Okay. And but by the UN definition, they didn't fucking not even, come close. Not even close. Yeah. But that's because the UN's been looking at. I mean, and again, nobody's trying to minimize anything, but it was three thousand people that died in in the in the in the in the. In the uh, trade centers, right? Roughly three, th- three or four. It was three thousand, I think, right around three thousand. I don't know. I, oh, the trade center. Yes, the trade centers. Yeah. We, uh, as Americans, have been incredibly. I mean, you look at like earthquakes in fucking weird places. That fucking tidal wave in fucking uh, Thailand. I mean, it killed fucking fifty thousand, thirty, forty or fifty thousand people. You know, like we have not really seen what other people would measure as a truly tragic, you know, but again, like, and that's why I brought up the firebombs originally by, by all people's definitions, those should have been, but the only thing people even look at is Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? <laughs> and what fucking, and, and like, I, I just rewatched fog of war before this, because when I was thinking of it, like when Brian started talking about the way that we sort of measure these things, I always think about Robert McNamara because for two reasons, one was because he was, he was really in a shitty fucking there's no doubt he was really in a shitty spot when when vietnam was going on and he was put in put in as uh, secretary of defense for um uh for kennedy and then he stayed in the same spot for uh, lbj um and then of course he got he got fucking fired because he was essentially telling lbj this is based on the way that we're doing this war it's it's unwinnable um but having said that Robert McNamara, because he was, so there was a, at the beginning of the, before they get to where they start talking about Vietnam in that movie, there's this space where uh, um, McNamara was recruited. He, he, he was a high IQ guy. He was a professor at fucking Harvard and shit. He was a smart motherfucker. But when he went into the military, 
he went in as sort of like a logistics person who would sit there and do number crunching so that they could think about how to deal with certain strategic questions, right? So, um, like, uh, there's this whole thing about uh, th this guy, uh, LeMay, who ends up being a general, who he has to, basically is this guy he has to interact with, uh, McNamara has to interact with through his whole career. He was not a general during World War II, but he ends up ascending to, to generalship and he has to interact with him a ton uh, much later on. But uh, they were they were flying these uh, missions um, over Japan, uh, and there was this the, the previous planes that were being utilized were being utilized at a certain altitude to where there was an amount of danger to the people that were flying the missions, right? So uh, Lemay, uh, even though he's kind of a cockbag. Um, he had this calculation where number number of people you know that you took out versus the number of people that were injured or killed um, that was that were flying the missions, and he kept this you know this this proportion and and maintained it for a long time. So at, they they were flying them at a certain altitude, and they created this B bomber. I can't remember what it was B twenty nine bomber that could fly at a much higher altitude, right? But the problem was. That while you were flying at higher altitudes, the safety was much greater for the people that were flying it. Uh, their accuracy went down by uh, an order of magnitude. So um, for a period of time, they decided to start flying them at 5,000 feet, which was really, really, really fucking low. And that was when they started doing the firebomb. This was in 1945, and they just fucking pounded the fuck out of Japan. And one of the pilots came back and was yelling at them, saying, "My, you know, the the gunner died in the middle of this mission." He says, "Dude, I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 everybody that I sent out there, you know, I, I maintain a measure of responsibility. But next week after they dropped the bomb, this, this is over with. You know, so is how do I measure things? This one life that of this person that was on the plane with you, or the hundreds of thousands of Japanese people that we essentially just killed with these fire bombs, and." Uh, you know, the end of the, essentially the end of World War II at that point in time. So. Well, soon after. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause, I mean, they, they, they bent the week after it was the week after they dropped the bomb, right? Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Well, I don't know. I was, I just pulled up Dresden because I wanted to see if I could get a more accurate number because the, the Dresden fire bombings from, I mean, estimates from as low as 20,000 to as high as 150 and they haven't become much more accurate now because it's between 22,700 and 135,000. Um, a lot of people were displaced during that time, time period in Germany as well. Well, and a lot of them ended up dying because the hospitals couldn't take all of the fucking injured people because they fucked up eight square miles of Dresden. Yeah. Weird. Which is a lot of fucking mileage, dude. <clears throat> but again... This is this a is this a weapon of mass destruction? I mean, they certainly weren't talking about it back then like that. I mean, this is the fallacy of World War II, right? Is that everybody thinks that it came to a close because of those two fucking atomic bombs? But that is absolutely not a fact. It came to a close because of these fire bombing campaigns that essentially fucking destroyed gigantic portions of civilian population. Well, it probably came to a close because the Russians joined on the Eastern Front. There were a lot of things that were <laughs> happening. I don't want to. <laughs> Vladdy, I don't want to minimize you, you know, and I'm not a Putin apologist because I said that fuck sticks. The, the Russians have been instrumental in helping us to end world wars and other wars repeatedly. Um, 
Okay, so yes, I think 22,700 on the low end mm-hmm. is a fucking large number, dude. <laughs> it, it, it qualifies by all measurements, then. Which then... See, I don't know. I, like, at that point, we weren't breaking any NATO rules. But I think... I mean, because they're still doing it with drones... You know, in fucking Pakistan and Afghanistan, but Syria. All that stuff's like hyper targeted, you know? There's still what do they call it? Um They fuck up all the time. No, but like, they're when they kill a civilian, they call it collateral damage. Collateral damage. Or blow, well, blowback is a different thing. Okay. And the collateral damage, you know, could be ten civilians that didn't have jack shit to do with it. Or 15. And again, I don't know if that's a fucking large number. I know the Pakistanis or the Afghanis or whomever. If one of those 15 was their family, I'm sure they're pissed. I'm sure they're pissed that we're fucking launching missiles in to begin with. Probably. I mean, I think the simple fact that like Pakistan gets the vast majority of their military equipment from China is a good indicator that they don't really love us. I, I think that's a safe... <laughs> well, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we, as much of an ally as they are, we, I don't think, will sell shit to they're them. They're a weird ally. Because they're... Well, Karzai's dead, too. They're We're, partial terrorists, according to... Yeah, we used them in some really weird ways. But but and, and the, that previous leader, who was no longer the leader there, we had a lot more hold over him than we have over the current Pakistani regime that that entire part of the globe is i don't want to call it unstable now the united states will call it unstable or there's instability in the region or whatever and that's the way they justify these drones yeah, I remember the whole axis of evil bullshit. Well, I, I wasn't even talking about the axis of evil. But I was Afghan- just if you're going to look at Afghanistan <laughs> and identify them as you're not just talking about instability. You're saying they hate us and they're going to come and get us. Well, and- dude, it was fucking horseshit. Who declares war on a country where a guy might be or might not yeah, be? That's all. I mean, we could like we could have a whole episode on the stupid shit that happened in two thousand three. Right. Two thousand three was a landmark year of retardedness in the United States. Two thousand two, two thousand three. You got to everything that happened in the wake of September eleventh was landmark stupidity. Just imagine, like whoever, Russia, China, Iceland, saying, "United States, we know Darren Jolly is there." We know he is. And the United States says, well, we don't know where the fuck he is. He's not here. And they say, well, fuck you. We're going to declare war on you. And they start launching drones and shit. I mean, seriously. You got to paint the picture better. Fucking retarded, dude. Because I at least have to be like like in Uruguay or something like that, where I'm like on the back of a goat or something. Well, maybe you're just in fucking Quebec. Quebec? So or, are you hating on the Quebec Quebecois now? Dude? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that he probably jumped around from Pakistan to Afghanistan to yeah. well, Uzbekistan. Going, you know, but what about, okay, so what about those weird, so, like, they had the bunker busters, right? But there have been all kinds of fucking weapons that have been developed like that 
where you're just hitting these very specific underground spaces that allegedly house these individuals who are recluses towards uh, Western ideals, you know, like, you know, I mean, because that was what they said. They're going through these hills, hanging out in caves, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, are those, that's very targeted stuff, you know, I mean, like the Patriot missiles, like those things have those fucking chips on them with the fins, you know, and they go through the air. Yeah, and they're like guided them. missiles. And you just hit the place that you fucking want to hit. Well. With 400 children inside. With a whole bunch of different stuff. <laughs> like you can program it like pre-program it or if you've got a soldier on the ground they can fucking laser it and they track the laser there's all kinds of fucking cool shit they can do which again so the UN tracks missiles too and so missiles are part of it but then we get into you know shoulder launched missiles RPGs bazookas that kind of thing yeah red dawn yeah um he shot the helicopter so I, I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what, what is a lot. And and maybe, I mean, I was hoping that, that talking this week could kind of help me grasp that. Because millions of people is a lot, no doubt. But again, 22,700 seems like a lot. Well, and you you said straight up, like Timothy McVeigh. I mean, and that was that was like kids, right? I mean, it was like a daycare or something that got blown up in that building in Oklahoma City, wasn't it? I don't think so. I'm pretty but sure. It there might have been a fucking daycare there. I'm pretty sure. But that's collateral damage. Oh, see. Yeah, you should go and be a fucking military <laughs> guy now. It got in the way. It was a federal building. We had to show how the government was repressing us. He had a target. He had a target. What was the name of his accomplice? What was his name? I never can remember his name, but I don't believe that either one of them did it. I think they're Nazis. No. You think that they're... Dude, again, I don't think... Terry Nichols. Yeah, that is what it was. So I don't believe that you go through all of that planning and then get caught for speeding. That does sound like a very going into a movie theater and get, having the fucking cops show up kind right. of moment. You know, the FBI doesn't have any suspects at all. Suddenly, a fucking receipt comes up at U-Haul and the guy gets busted for speeding. Oh, we got him. It just doesn't sound what right. What happened to him? He's, he's in uh, Supermax still, right? Or something? No, I thought he was down in federal prison in Indiana somewhere. Oh. Or maybe that's Nichols, because I think they killed McVeigh. Did they? I don't know. Well, you would have to have some pretty heavy, but I guess you're in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got some different sensibilities. Well, no, because it's federal at that point. Okay. Oklahoma's not going to charge him. That's why he was in the he was in the federal supermax here. But there, so then, then federal doesn't uh, put people to death. Then I thought. Well, it depends. We've got the death penalty and i'm pretty sure they killed him but they might not like i said uh-huh. at first i thought he was in indiana but um it, we're no closer to figuring out what it is that constitutes a lot no we're not so let's let's take a step back and kind of look at how weapons have progressed right so the first knife was actually developed like two and a half million years ago but it wasn't much of a knife it's a fucking round rock that's sharpened on the side. So most likely they used it for skinning 
So how did they figure this prey. out? Did somebody go back? Did they get the time machine from H.G. Wells and go back and take uh, a look at it? I, they did the fucking radioactive dating thing, I'm guessing. And they're when like, they find oh, some this shit. thing looks like a knife. That's kind of how well, it's a sharp on one side. I don't fucking know, dude. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> Maybe the dude that had that was actually the real first serial killer. It doesn't look like a real knife. Like I said, it's fucking round and just sharp on one side. Um, but then as time progressed, you know, they started making knives that look more like what we're used to with, with a blade and they were still made out of stone. Um, yeah, arrowheads are all stones. Well, right. So that's kind of the progression. Um, you know, we went from knives to spears and then they used the addle addle, which is basically a thing that just uses physics. It's a, a long piece of wood that's hollowed out and it's got a like a divot on one end to hold the spear or the dart. And so that you can get some and then speed behind it. Get yeah. some leverage. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Kind of like uh what's that stupid fucking sport they play down in Florida? Highlight? Yeah. It's like that highlight tosser. Uh-huh. <laughs> whatever the fuck they call it. Um I can't believe that I knew what you were thinking of that moment. <laughs> That's very fucking disturbing. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's just a physics thing. It's yeah, making it. your arm longer. I get it. Okay, so so the addle addle, um, then the bow and arrow, um, you know, then we start talking about some shit. Um, this is I think stuff. Well, some of the pre bronze stuff because. The Chinese invented black powder in the 9th century, I think, maybe the 10th. Some people got metal a little bit at that point in time, right? Some, but the first thing that I remember seeing in my research is this thing they called a hand cannon, and that isn't Chinese. Um, But basically... Did Dirty Harry have it? it? (laughs) (laughs) It was a chunk of bamboo about maybe a foot long dude and they would put powder on one side and some sort of shrapnel in it at that point they weren't using metal so they would use shards of broken clay shit like that to launch at people that's kind of fucking clever i mean they're fucking smart dude so black powder ended up going all over spread through asia down to india and finally into europe um, so that hand cannon, you know, kind of went into yeah, other first, areas. That was the first gun. I mean, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first flintlock pistol was invented in 1610. Where? France. Okay. Um, but the problem with the flintlock pistol was if it was wet, then the powder could get wet. There was all kinds of shit that could happen. Besides that, they hated those flintlock pistols because you still had to fucking reload. So when you were reloading, you were open for counterattack. Which is the same shit that went on with the... Uh, the muzzle-loaded rifles? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, all of that. Um, the samurai fucked them up in that moment, dude. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that in that, in that movie. <laughs> 
So late 1600s, early 1700s, they came up with revolvers, but they're not the revolvers like Old West revolvers, but they had like three or four shots and they were still flintlock. Some of them had cartridges, but you had to pull it back to pull each one to reload the next shot. Oh, you couldn't you couldn't have a shot preloaded. Well, yeah, but you had four of them preloaded or three, whatever it was. But it didn't automatically go to the next yeah, one when that automatic, right? Yeah, it's got to go. So you got to push it or pull it or whatever they did. Um, the things that we take for granted in our world of killing, you know? No shit, dude. So I didn't look up when the first sword was invented, but I do know with regard to knives and France, because essentially when they had knives. Cutlery wasn't on the table, so if you went to a dinner party, you pulled out your own knife, and you stabbed your meat or potatoes or whatever, and you fucking lifted it up, but they were sharp and pointy, and a lot of people died at the table. So in France, they said you can't have sharp knives at the dinner table or on the street. In England, they're trying to push that through now with kitchen utensils because people are stabbing each other. Because you can't carry a gun in England, so the knife or edged weapon is the preferred way to kill somebody. Um, what what time period are we right now? Well, so right now, yeah. when I mentioned England, we're in now. Um, in France, that was, I think it was King Louis the 18th, or the 8th, 7th? Yeah, but the knifing that you're talking about. Getting rid of the points? Ah, fuck. Hold on. No, I, I really I really don't want to. Let's see. I, I want to know more about... Okay, so it was King Louis the Fourteenth that decreed all pointed knives on the street or dinner table are going to be illegal, and that was in 1669. So... 1600s and 1700s, they were using knives and shitty revolvers. Um, when did Smith and Wesson all those things? Well, 1800s is when things really started to get good, and that's where the revolver came around. Get good, right? Um, that's when the Gatling gun was invented. Yeah. The machine gun. Um, all of that stuff was late 1800s. The best revolver, according to a lot of gun historians, was the 1873, and I think that was the Colt, the Colt 1873. Okay. Um, what, what, how big was the, the bullet? Well, I think that one, and I've done a lot of fucking research on guns and shit, dude, but I think that one was available. I, I only asked because I believe that was probably true. Was available in a lot of different of calibers, okay. calibers, right. and I could be wrong. So you already had kind of like the Walmart effect happening with weapons then in that moment. Yeah, and then the first semi-automatic pistol. Um, let's see, I've got all of these different fucking windows pulled up. Was invented in. Well, so Hiram Maxim's machine gun was invented in 1883. Hiram Maxim. Yeah, and then in 1891, the Germans invented 
the first semi-automatic handgun in 1891. Pre-Luger Luger? Pre-Luger Luger? Luger Luger, that's what I said. I said, you know, I live in it. I'm not going to say that. So the Gatling gun was invented in 1861. Um, and then... But you couldn't shoot it alone. You had to have somebody feeding the bullets in, and then you had the person turning the crank, right? Well, they made... improvements to it like but initially initially it was belt driven um but then they had it to where you just loaded everything at the top the so that it was loading. gravity yeah. yeah and then you could just while you were doing while you had a crank turn i mean technically somebody could do it by themselves but you're gonna you're gonna kill more people if you have somebody that's putting the bullets in while somebody's turning the crank yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never used a Gatling gun, so I can't I say. Just, I just get the picture. Not that I sit around and fantasize about killing people very much. The cool thing about the Gatling gun was that it was sick. It, it was designed to increase the cyclic cycle, and I know that cyclic means cycle, so I probably redundant. You to be able to spin the cyclic firing. Yes. But if you're using just one barrel, that barrel gets hot. And you've got the chance that it's going to jam or misfire or whatever. So with the Gatling gun, there were several barrels and they spun. And as they spun, they would reload. And then when they got to the right point, it would fire. Which would keep the sort of the thermal Barrels cool. Down. Yeah. Okay. So that was the whole reason for the um, Gatling gun. Then the Maxim gun, like I said, Hiram Stevens, 1884. So now we're kind of where we are now. We've got semi-automatics. We've got rifles, bolt-fed, you know. So, but you haven't talked about, like, cannonballs or anything. But you, you've got to have, like, the pre-bomb bomb, right? Because that's where you're... Okay. So cannons, um, like I said, the first cannon was the hand cannon. Um. But they were using them as early as 1288. That's the hand cannon. And I don't know if that's accurate because, like I said, they were talking about it being 1188 made out of fucking bamboo. Um, but the cannon, I mean, they started loading them on boats. They were fighting yeah. pirates and shit with them. Um, you know, once they started attaching wheels to them and, and using different metals and they got lighter and, and easier to move around. And then cannons now, you know, they're just artillery. So technically that Gatling gun that we talked about, yeah. the version of that is the GAU-8, which was made initially by General Electric. Lockheed Martin bought it from General Electric. General Dynamics bought it from Lockheed Martin, so now they're the one manufacturing it, but it's mounted to the bottom of some fucking Air Force plane that I can't remember the name of, but it's been in use since 1977, and it says that it's used to control ground swells of people, you know, that they need to mow down. It doesn't say the mow down part. That's me. Um, Just control gun swells of people. Yeah, but the gun's so heavy it takes up 16% of the plane's weight. And when they have to take the gun off, 
they have to put something underneath the rear, otherwise, otherwise the fucking, fucking plane will tip yeah, over. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we've made a lot of innovations with regard to technology and, and killing people. But it's weird, dude, because like World War II forward, I don't know, dude. Like, arms is an industry, right? I mean, like the whole Dwight D. Eisenhower when he when he leaves office and he says in 1960, you know, 61, ostensibly when 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 JFK takes over that he, I think he the the address was like January 17th, 1961 or something like that. When he starts to talk about uh, the 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 birth of the the military industrial complex, right? Like. But this is this is a guy who was an, a general during World War II, and uh, saw the way that we mobilized uh, our capability of producing munitions and innovating munitions, like at the same time. Uh, and then it's like World War II ended, but nothing stopped. You know, I mean, we went, we went to fucking Korea. You know, the fucking uh, the Gulf of, the Gulf of Tonkin bullshit incident, right? And then forward and forward and forward and forward you know like it's been nothing but one incredible innovation of how to kill a person after another i mean we 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 love to think about this is the the golden age of the united states but i i think that maybe when people have a little bit more space and they realize that the welfare state not only was it a racist ridiculous kind of concept but it was also um it found its strength through um a military industrial complex through, through an, a war economy that has, has never stopped since no. World War II for all, for all intents and purposes. I mean, because even if they don't call it a war, it's, you know, the DEA needing military support in some South American country yeah, or the CIA needing support. It's us trying to police the entire fucking world and and make money out of it at the same time right and i don't know if that's why we're trying to police the entire world or if we really think that our way of life is the only way of life i don't think that we even know what the truth is anymore i mean honestly because like when you started to talk to me about this and you were giving me shit last night and you said come on dude we're just talking about the definition of stuff less lesser than uh weapons of mass destruction i said i started to go down this rabbit hole of who the u.s has been selling arms to like and then who china has been selling arms to and the history of selling arms to all these different fucking people in all these different places and like it, it had been in my head for a long time lately that that the welfare state was integrally tied to to the kind of, to the war economy. Like these two things are essentially uh, one that's a part of another, but now it's gotten to the point where like uh, we've agreed to put another $45 billion in the hands of the Ukraine. Right. I mean, and that was tied to our omnibus spending bill for the next year. Right. So uh, we won't have any stoppage of, government because this has gone through it's it's justified everything but ultimately uh 850 billion goes to uh the pet projects in the different districts and 850 billion goes to military spending and that does not include the money that's going to ukraine right that's that's other that's other monies that also tie back to the military industrial complex so like if every year 
our cost of doing business goes up and the dollars that go to military, the military industrial complex goes up higher than the rate of inflation, then what does that mean about the structure of the U.S. economy? Well, dude, okay, maybe this is the organic part. <laughs> you and I have talked on other episodes about the BRICS countries being able to fuck us just by themselves. we got to be careful how deep we go down this one, but yes. Um, so the... We're not going to talk about all of the bricks. We're going to talk about the rooks, <laughs> which is Russia and China. Um, and Russia, I I don't know how active they are in this plan, but Darren pointed some shit out to me earlier today, and it's scary, scary shit because this country, China, has the power to just fuck us so bad financially, even without this step. But if they do this step and one other one, we're fucked. The military industrial complex can kiss their ass goodbye because we're done. Um, so I'll let Darren talk about that. Well, why, why do you got to do this to me? So uh, essentially there was, there was all of this rhetorical disposition that had sort of developed with regards to, uh, the U.S. pulling uh, military support for Saudi Arabia um, because Saudi Arabia decided they were going to bring the uh, the rate of oil production down by two million barrels a day, um, and uh, the assumption was that this was something that was probably. Of course, this is all conjecture. I don't know. You know, I mean, what the fuck ever. It doesn't really matter whether this is true or not because the outcome is the same. Uh, the the belief is that when Russia pulls their uh, petroleum capabilities from the West because of what it is that's going on with the support for Ukraine, that means that maybe there was some collusion that was going on between the Saudis and the Russians with regards to this decision that the Saudis made. Uh, we sell tons and tons and tons of arms to the Saudis. There's no doubt that the Saudi that Saudi Arabia would not exist in the state as the state that it is today if it weren't for the military capabilities that we provided to them and for them. Having said that, uh, and I don't have any problem with Rokana and all these guys that are trying to back us off of, of doing, I mean, after Jamal Khashoggi got, got so publicly uh, murdered um, and all of the various different things that MBS had been doing, uh, trying to basically front, flaunt their uh, energy power um, in relation to the United States. Um, I think that a fuck you was probably in order, but we gave them the fuck you. And now, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia has reached out to China to to fill some of those uh, gaps in terms of military equipment that they need to maintain their system of dominance so that they continue to put their their boot on the the backs of the uh, that group in Yemen that essentially they're um, helping to uh, uh, fucking destroy, leaving us with uh, one of the probably the greatest humanitarian issue that we're dealing with on the planet right now. Um, uh, Saudi re reached out to China and China came to them and said, um, well, you know, what would be a really good idea if maybe, um, we started doing business for your oil in the yuan and we'll use the yuan as the, the, the currency for petroleum purchasing from here on out. Uh, what, what is the long-term consequence of that? 
it's not a fucking good thing to happen, dude, because that basically devalues the dollar on a fucking global level. Yeah, petrodollars is essentially what's kept us where we're at right now. Right. On top of being the reserve currency of the globe. If we lose both of those positions, the United States is in a well, precarious spot. So even if... And the second one could follow soon after, but even if we don't lose the reserve currency globally, that petrocurrency is a fucking horrible step. But we've somehow managed to talk China into holding all of the tourist dollars that they have. There, or maybe they're just holding on to them because they're saying, hey, we've got all of these. Well, billions and billions of dollars. Don't, don't be confused, though. The yuan has value because the dollar has value too. These things are these things are codependent. I mean, I, I would I would argue that if they totally inflated the current the value of our currency, it would it would hurt the yuan to some extent. I think it would, but if it was tied to the petro currency, I think that that would help keep it stable. I think if Russia stepped in and said, "Yeah, we'll take the yuan too," that's that's where it becomes interesting. Yeah. Um, and then if Brazil and India say, fuck it, we're going to do the same thing, then who else follows? Venezuela is going to jump right on that shit. Bolivia, to be sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so then Dewan starts to be of more value. And, and that is just, but I don't know, dude, like. When I play cards, like if I play hearts or spades or the other day I was playing this stupid game called Phase 10 with, you know, my sister and my mom. If you did on Christmas. Yeah. If I don't want them to have something, I will fuck myself so that they can't go out. I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe yes, but I don't I don't like if, if China is going to do this, they have to demonstrate to the world that they're making choices better than we're making choices. And if they, if they, if they injure themselves in the process to try to, you know, save face or demonstrate some sort of position of superiority, I don't think, I just, I have to believe that people in this world, as irrational as the U.S. has been functioning over the course of the last, you know, 50, 60 years, I have to believe that there are still institutions and spaces out there that are going to remind us that we have to be smart. Well, I, I hope that's the case. But then again, I'm not an economist. You know, I don't know exactly what would happen if both those things happen. If they flood the market with the dollars that they have and they've got the yuan petrodollars, I don't know what would happen. Well, let's, let's not just assume that one thing is necessarily going to follow the other. I mean, no right. matter what, we know we know that 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 Saudi reached out to China, and China floated this as a response immediately. So, I mean, we we, we can't take it any further. And, and we know that China knows that we know that that was done, right? Well, and we're not in the room either. Of so, course not. for all we know. I mean, because if it's me and I want that deal to get done, I'm going to say, look, it's buy one, get one free on the drones. You can have the missiles at a package price of X, you know, and to boot, we're going to give you shitloads of small arms and 
the ammo to go with it. I mean, if, if that's me and I really want this to happen. But they could just be playing a game with us and trying to get us to step in and say, hey, quit doing that with Saudi Arabia. You know, we'll back off here or we'll back off here. Why don't you go ahead and invade Taiwan? <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. No. Your family's going I, I know, dude. But I'm just saying, like, whatever the case is, like, all of the protections that, that I, we've I got. I understand the point that you're making. Yeah, because no, no matter what, you're right. We've, we've come over the top in a number of different spaces. I mean, fucking Nancy Pelosi, I mean, just for the Taiwan thing, she goes down there and fucking sticks her fingers up to, middle fingers up to G, you know. Like, it's one thing for, like, everybody made such a big deal out of Trump making the phone call. Like, because I, I was in Taiwan when he took power, and they put uh, an aircraft carrier between Taiwan and China in the South China Sea, just to kind of say, stop fucking playing this game. Just yeah. the one China policy is the way that things function. You know, you got to keep keep working that way. But uh, your point might be uh, might be right. But having said that, I don't think that China's so stupid. Again, I'm gonna say this: the dollar and the the, the the pound sterling are the two most valuable currencies on the planet because they maintain their position of strength. For a longer time than anybody has, any other currency has as a currency, right? So we're, we're still learning something about the concept of like fiat value, right, in, in these moments. The the yuan just barely depegged itself from the dollar it, like five less than five years ago, you know, so it's only been a floating currency on its own for a very short period of time. I just... One of the things that I have to believe is, is that these these concepts, these, you know, the alienated capacity of humanity maintains its value because of the ways that the different expressions of value connect to one another inside of humanity writ large, right? Meaning that if you're going to try to fuck the dollar by destroying the dollar, you're going, I mean, you're really doing exactly what you said in the first place. And that is that you're taking one for yourselves, you know, you're because you're going to take one in the ass too, but you're going to give me seven at the same time, you know. Well, I'm just going to make sure that you're not going to win. I may not win either, but I'm not going to just give it to you. I, I just, I know, I know. I, don't believe, I just don't believe that the Chinese are going to, and 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 you can you can call me whatever the fuck you want, but I like all I can say is that between since Mao died in '76, the year that I was born, to right now. The Chinese have done some pretty incredible things, man. And I don't think that they're just going to fucking throw the gauntlet down right now after everything that they've managed to develop and create. Dude, after what we talked about with regard to weapons, you should know that, I mean, fuck. They've done a lot since the 8th century. <laughs> what was it called? The hand cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny that that sort of like is taken on the meaning that it has. I didn't know what the the, the etymological like background to it was. But that's kind of fucking hilarious. Um, I so I don't know. I just looked up the exchange rate for the yuan to the dollar, and basically, one yuan is worth fourteen cents. Um, so roughly, they're really gonna have. A heart, but again, you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen if that Petro thing happens. Well, 
I mean, they, they reached out. I mean, no matter what, the Saudis are smart, too. They're not going to just give in that quick to it either way. Oh, the Saudis have been playing at least two sides of the fence forever. I mean, at least, you know, they're fucking at least three sides on a fence in a yard. So if they're playing both sides of the fence with all of their neighbors, then they're playing a lot of different fucking fences. Whatever. There's they they have an ability to do some things that. But at some point in time, MBS needs to be smart, too, you know. You, 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 he, he could overplay his hand too, because somebody could just. So there, here's, there are other people that want power in Saudi Arabia as well. Here's an interesting thing that you know you and I kind of talked about. Um, we're talking about mass destruction now because we kind of talked about insignificant destruction for whatever, whatever that was the worth. Whatever insi- insignificant destruction means. Um, if you crash an entire economy. Or let's say you do a cyber attack and take down an entire fucking infrastructure, turn off all of the fucking street lights, the water, whatever, make the trains stop running. Like what's happening to Ukraine's uh, uh, energy well, right now. Yeah. And, well, I could speculate on a couple of things. But okay, if you do that via cyber warfare, then technically... Isn't that a weapon of mass destruction? Yeah, of, of, of course, yeah. I mean, that, this is where, uh, and there was a point that you made earlier uh, when you were talking about the, the United Nations stuff. And, and I, I was going to say that the United Nations stuff, is so we say it was written in 1977, right? Because yeah. I think that was the last year time frame that you used when you were talking about that stuff. If they wrote it in 1977, they were using their science fiction-like imagination to sort of like they they have no no way of understanding the internet i mean you have to rewrite the the definition of yes and if that's your point you have to rewrite the the definition of weapons of mass destruction because ultimately yeah if you can close down a power grid if you can disrupt uh air air travel you know if you do do anything to essentially cause absolute havoc to where the way that a system reproduces itself disappears and does not function in the same way that it functioned prior then a lot of people are going to die as a result just shutting off the water and power in a big city like fucking new york that's millions of people that are going to die yeah they don't know how to they don't know how to do it without it being done for them right yeah and you know bottled water is going to last for a while some asshole is probably going to buy a bunch of it and try to fucking sell it for 19 dollars a bottle when money doesn't anything right but i mean well maybe he'll start exchanging gold or some shit again it doesn't mean anything without exchange bullets would make make sense at that point well again i don't have a lot of guns (laughs) (laughs) but i've got ammo so we can have water soon um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I mean, they, and and so none of that stuff is defined because it's all chemical and radiological and nuclear and biological. Um, but you could fuck somebody up via cyber warfare. I mean, they have suspects in a couple of things that have happened here where 
like oil systems were shut down, you know, for pumping. Um, electric systems were Can shut you down. Imagine if you brought the power grids down before that Buffalo storm hit this last week. You know how many people would fucking die up there? A lot. A lot of people would die. Well, I think in the East Coast they mostly use oil to heat their houses, but I could be wrong. Either way, I think that they'd die. Yeah. Um, if you're dependent on a grid, you're going to die in that moment. So, I don't, I don't fucking know, dude, like how the definitions or why the definitions haven't expanded. Does, does the United States have so much juice with the UN that, because I mean, I know we're on the Security Council, right? So, yeah, but so is, so is China, so is Russia, so is France, so is England. Right, but China and Russia... As permanent, as permanent members. China and Russia are two of the countries that probably pose the most risk to the United States with regard to cyber warfare. Iran would be the third. The Ukraine would be the fourth, but we're pumping billions of dollars in there. Um, maybe Romania, Hungary, I don't know. They're, they're members of NATO now. Right, but a lot of the Eastern European countries have fucking amazing hackers and shit, and they generally hire them. Anyway, um, so cyber warfare... China, Russia, we're on the Security Council, but do they have so much juice that they can say, there's no reason to define cyber warfare. It can't be. Well, it can't be. International law has, I mean, we've gotten to a point, like the interesting thing about 1947 and what was going on during that time period is it was sort of in the interest of people to sort of like begin to negotiate these spaces. But like even immediately, you you like at the instance that you created you have two different ideas of declaration of human rights you have the one that we supported and the one that the soviets supported one of them was rooted in political rights and the other one was rooted in economic rights and we didn't subscribe to anything they said and they didn't subscribe to anything that we said i mean so ultimately what the un says or does in terms of interpretations with regards to this stuff in terms of developments especially it doesn't mean shit. Well, maybe know? Russia and China are saying the same thing because we wa we all want to attack each other via cyber warfare. Maybe they're all saying, no, there's no such thing as mass destruction via the internet. You are so stupid. <laughs> you think they sound like that, too? No, with they... The big, with the big shit eating the fucking their face. No, they probably use some sort of parliamentary procedure, I'm sure. Don't be. The gentleman from the United States. Um, yeah, so I, I don't fucking know, but I know that we need to probably redefine some things, including what is mass destruction and insignificant destruction. You know, uh, nut job that fucking shot up the fucking theater in Aurora. Yeah. The Joker? You know, 14 people died. Columbine, 12. 13 people he died. More than 14. That was one of the worst ones, dude. He did a good job. No, because that girl I was banging was number 12, I think. It wasn't much more. <laughs> did you have to go there? <laughs> was that necessary? I'm sorry. He just fucking crossed himself. He almost burst into flames, too. I mean, I think that the problem is, is that you don't have a system right now where 
China and Russia, they don't see us as, as good faith actors. You know, and this, again, this is something that's a whole nother can of worms, you, you like the Minsk Accords and the fact that Russia said over and over again that it wants to be a part of uh, the security position in, in, in Europe, you know, I mean, and the fact that the United States never succumbs to that, which has everything to do with the fact that we make money off of fucking making and selling weapons. Twelve deaths. Was it twelve? Okay, I'm sorry. So she was, and she was number twelve. Okay. Eleven or twelve. At least in the newspaper. Good talk. And I didn't mean to say banging. I meant dating. You meant to say banging. <laughs> you fucking old <hell>, Billy. <laughs> All right, we're over an hour. This, again, is complicated shit. We're going to continue talking throughout the week. Um, did you... I, I didn't mean to cut you off saying this is an hour, but... No, we're, we're, we've gone we've gone through a lot of things that I don't think that we even intended to get to. I don't think that we intended to get to the China currency thing, but uh, it's almost hard to not once it gets into your head to not bring it up. It needs to be it needs to be dealt with, and people in the United States need to. But I don't even know that I want them to think about it because you're going to have some stupid fucking jingoistic fucking rallying cry saying the USA stand on the dollar. And these are all the people that were bitching about fiat currencies. They're going to be suddenly like saying stupid shit like that. Dude, I, I still, I'm, that worries me more than the Putin nuke thing. Yeah, of course. I know. I mean, when, the, the reason why we bring up the currency thing is because the currency thing is the true, not to, you know, put all the cards on the table, but that is the real weapon of mass destruction. Like if you, if you do that, you, you're going to destroy a, but you know, whatever, we fucked everybody else over. So at some point in time, as a young Malcolm once said, that chicken's coming home to roost. So Sometimes an empire dies. Yeah. So. And I'm not saying that I want this empire to die. I'm fairly comfortable here. But I don't mind learning to speak Chinese. What about? <laughs> that means I don't know. Some That means something else. I'd probably rather speak Portuguese and move to Brazil, but whatever. Um, okay. 720334, roll. Short bus debate club at yahoo.com. And we'll, oh, sorry. It's going to be light next time. Yeah, Wednesday, we're just talking about movies with weapons of mass destruction and maybe some insignificant destruction. <laughs> Talk to you later. Later.